that without a smile, isn't it? You know, it'd be rough if somebody turns you. You happy? <laughs> I was, <laughs> and then you start to change seats. I understand. In a series, tempted. I've enjoyed the series. I hope you have. It's given me an opportunity to really do some introspection, uh, and that's always good for all of us. Uh, one of the things that I do know for sure is that all preachers are human, just like you. Um, we study the Word of God maybe a little more than you do, but that's uh, the same frustrations, the same trials and tribulations hit us as well. We're looking at some of the choices that can kill us, and uh, they can, eternally and physically. Um, but I want to begin today with a pretty famous quotation. I want to see if you can finish the quotation. It starts out this way. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these is the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Very good. Now that comes from the Declaration of Independence. And in the Declaration of Independence, we have one of our top three rights that the government is to provide for us in America, and that's the freedom to pursue happiness. Now there's nothing wrong with that. But unfortunately, over the last 200 plus years, this idea of pursuing happiness has taken hold of our society. So much so that happiness in America has become the number one goal, our primary goal, our primary pursuit, our number one purpose. If we're honest, most of us in this room right now, above all else, want to be happy. Is that a, let's do a quick hand raise survey. How many of you want to be happy? All right, got most of you. Some of you could, I don't care. (laughs) Okay. And not only do you want to be happy, but you want to be happy right now, in this instant. If I'm hungry, I don't have to wait longer, according to McDonald's at a certain time, more than 30 seconds. From the time I pay to the time I drive to that next window, they're supposed to have my food ready. 30 seconds. That's pretty good. What about you? Is that how fast you cook, ladies, at home? (laughs) Yep. It's called big man lunch, dinner, frozen dinner. (laughs) Pop it in the microwave. But most of us would say, you know, I, I want to be happy, but I'll be happy if, I'll be happy when, or if I could just change this one thing, I'd be happy. Because I just want to be happy, 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 as the Duck Dynasty guys tell us. Happiness is not a bad goal in life, but it's really a bad number one goal in life. Making decisions, living your life based on what you think will or will not make you happy is a trap. It's a trick. It's a temptation that we fall into over and over. And what's interesting is... You never find happiness when you fall into that temptation. You never do. So grab your message notes uh, out of the bulletin. Today I want us to do a little study on the choice that kills our happiness. It's called the pursuit of happiness. And we'll start by looking at that verse in Ecclesiastes, uh, there in chapter 2 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes was written, if you remember, by King Solomon, one of the wisest and wealthiest men who ever lived. And he said, I decided to enjoy myself and find out what happiness is. So what did he find out? 
it is useless too. <laughs> Boy, it's kind of a downer, isn't it? If you ever want to, if you ever want to read a book of the Bible that just really doesn't lift you up very well, let's read Ecclesiastes. I mean, by the time you get done, you're ready to cut your throat or your own throat or whatever. I mean, it's it it it's really it, it's kind of a downer book, except at the very end. Because at the very end, he says, what I find is serving God is the most important thing. And having God in your life is the most important thing. And it is, isn't it? You know, ultimately, you can have all the money you want. I was, I was dreaming the other day about that 400, was it $450 million that, that you could have won in that lottery? Man. Yeah, it swelled up to 500 and something million right before they did it. Why? Because that meant it was that 450 million, so 50 million people put in enough money to raise it. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people did that, but they raised it from 450 in about two, three days. Wow. See, you can't win the lottery unless you play the lottery. Amen? And everybody who thinks that if they win it, man, they've got it all laid out what they're going to do with that money. The only problem is, you don't, if you've never handled that kind of money, it'll start handling you. Real fast, amen? I mean real fast. Can you imagine having, can you imagine, I, I'm not greedy, a greedy person by nature. So if I won that, I would just say, well, you know, just give me about $4 million. I, I don't need 450 of it. Of course, the government, as soon as you win, what's the government do? 40%. And they didn't play the lottery. I mean, they didn't put their dollar in there. Why should they get anything? Oh, well, it's that time of year, isn't it? Just finished up my taxes. I guess that's hard on my mind. I grit my teeth every time I... Never mind. If happiness is your number one goal, you're going to find frustration in your life. I've had some fun with some of these messages, finding lists, you know, top tens of this. And I found another one. You'll love this. Top ten things that make us very happy. <clears throat> now, it's not a Christian survey. It's kind of a cross-the-board survey, but nevertheless, I thought they were interesting. Number 10, video games. Makes you very happy. Number 9, shopping. All the women said amen. Number 8, hobbies. I guess you could put golf in there. Golf doesn't necessarily make me happy. I lose more clubs in the lake. Usually it's balls, but I lose clubs in the lake. Never mind. Number 7. Socializing with friends makes you happy. Number six, listening to music. Number five, taking care of children. <laughs> I wonder if that meant your own or somebody else's. <laughs> Number four, meditation or prayer. Number three, volunteering. Volunteering makes you feel happy. Number two, getting drunk. <laughs> hey, told you it wasn't a Christian list. Hi, number one. Having sex. No, having sex. Makes you happy. Makes you happy. But all these things I just read deal with instant, immediate gratification. So then they ask people, what's the ten, top ten things that bring the least happiness to your life? Number ten, showering. Which opened up a whole new thing when I think about my brother growing up. Number nine, 
Fixing a computer problem does not make you happy at all. And what really gets you is when you talk to the computer person, they go, have you turned it on? I mean, come on, really? And then then you're looking at a blank screen going, okay, I have it. Number eight, commuting to work. Now, we don't have traffic here in Tulsa. We were in Houston last weekend. That is traffic. Nineteen lanes. It seemed like nineteen. And they're and they're they're packed. And they're all moving at seventy two and a half miles an hour. And the speed limit's fifty. You slow down, your life is in jeopardy. We put Cindy in the back seat. All I heard the whole time we were driving was And then I, then I heard this. I, I thought, is she going to meditation? What's going on? She's praying. She's praying. And I kept thinking, I'm in the front seat with this guy. Get me out of here. Because <clears throat> he's sitting there talking to you, looking at you, and that car's getting cl- <laughs> Never mind. But commuting can be a problem. Number seven, going to work makes you least happy. Number six, going to class. If you're a student, amen. Ecclesiastes says, study is study of many books is wearisome to the body. That was my only verse I memorized in college. <laughs> I'd quote it quite often, and the professor would laugh. And his name was Mark Barrier. Who's coming, by the way, in May? So, Number five, texting makes you least happy. Number four, studying. Number three, housework. Number two, Facebook. The number one thing makes you least happy, recovering from an illness. Yeah, okay. Some serious stuff, some not so serious in that list. But what I found interesting is most everything on this side is about momentary. It's all temporary. It doesn't last forever. It really isn't bad. But you don't see a payoff right now like in the other list, which is almost instant. The pursuit of happiness is the temptation to invest my life in the momentary. That'll be your, one of your first fill-ins there. Pursuit of happiness is the temptation to invest my life in the momentary. Momentary instead of eternal. It's momentary versus eternal. Because happiness is an emotion like any other emotion. It rises, it falls, it comes, it goes. It's here in the moment, then it's gone. But I want you to be really, I I, I want to be real clear here. There's nothing wrong with being happy. God created that emotion for us. He created happiness and from time to time in this life you will feel happiness. You'll feel it. Oh, there was nothing better than last weekend when I was able to hold my granddaughter in Houston, Texas. Nothing better. She's got the chubbiest little old legs. I love it. I looked at her little legs and I said, man, those look like my legs. Just that, you know, how that, how them babies have that rolling fat stuff. 
I love it. You can squeeze it, you know. Feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy thing. It's awesome. And she doesn't know. She's just ready for the next meal. Let's get on with it. Eat, poop, sleep, and let somebody else take care of everything. That's a, I'm telling you. We're, we're, you know, I'm ready to sign up for that one again. It's never better than it was when you was 10 years old. Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. There's nothing wrong with happiness. And you're going to feel it from time to time in your life. You and I were created by God, for God to live in us, for something far more important, far more bigger than just happiness itself. And I know that sounds crazy, but God has a purpose for your life that's bigger and broader and more profound than any high or feeling that happiness may bring over a short term because God created you and me for eternity. Can you believe that God wants to spend forever with us? Now, I've been with me. There's times when I don't want to spend ten more minutes with me. But God wants to spend forever. That just still blows my mind. 2 Corinthians 4.18, at the bottom of the page there in your notes, says it really, really well. There's far more here than meets the eye. I want you to read it loud with me. Ready? Starting with the things we see. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Boy, it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. Leaders, evil people, they eventually will die. We are living in a time that, frankly, I read about, never thought I'd actually see in my lifetime, but the rise of evil that we see worldwide today. Absolutely amazing. It's not one person's fault. That's the easy scapegoat. It's the fault of a lot of people who sit back and close their eyes, said it couldn't happen to me, it couldn't happen here. Oh yeah, it can happen wherever. Because you may say it may it couldn't happen in my home, and it is. So open up your notes and let's talk about how to navigate through this. In the header, you'll notice how how do I navigate the temptation of happiness. And find God's purpose. Number one, God's purposes as my number one goal. I need to have God's purposes as my number one goal. We have to reorient our life and say the number one goal is not being happy. The number one goal is to transcend the present moment, to live more than just for today to think about my future, to think about eternity, to pursue God's purpose, God's meaning. God will be as my member, as my number one goal in life. His purposes never change. I want to tune there. I've seen some Facebook posts. I don't know if it was true of all 21 of them, but I know at least one of them. It's, it's reported of the Christian men that were beheaded by the evil in the world. One of them said, help me Jesus. 
Help me, Jesus. This is the last words he uttered. Wow. If Jesus is your number one priority in your life, God's purpose is number one in your life, the number one goal that you strive for day in and day out, you're going to find it. You'll be able to find it. Does it have meaning to you? Are the decisions you're making, are they based on eternity? Are you just waiting for the grab for the moment, grab for the moment, grab for the moment? That's what happens with most Christians is they're grabbing for a moment. You know, I want to feel it. I want to touch it. Or if you have a real calamity come into your life, you're going to run back to God. <laughs> As we finished up our study of Nehemiah in Sunday school, we see that the people of Israel came back to the way that they used to live. They quit marrying outside the Jewish faith. They began to honor the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Then they began to make sure they brought the percentages of tithes and offerings and gifts to the temple, as Mick so well pointed out this morning. We can't survive without your generosity coming from your pocketbook. Can't do it. Won't do it. Hold up and go home. We don't have out, outsourced revenue streams coming into the church on a great basis. I knew of a church where they... A lady in her latter years gave a piece of land to the church. And she passed away and men didn't know what to do with that piece of land. One of them said, have we ever looked to see if there's mineral deposits on there? So he just began to think outside the box, didn't he? Because all the other men just wanted to sell the piece of land. So they had somebody do, you know, survey that, whatever you do. <laughs> Then they struck oil on the land. You know what? That church will never have a problem with money. Ever. Except they have a real problem with money. Because now whose money is it? Is it God's money? And who decides how we're going to spend those? You see what I'm saying? It can be a, it can be a problem. It could be a problem. But it's awesome when God's people dig deep in their pocket, and begin to give money to the Lord. Uh, we're able to help through our One Harvest ministry now. Uh, we, we were just buying an extra box. Now we're buying three. And we're giving them away. I, I had a request today. We just got them delivered yesterday, and we already have a request today for, for food. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But God knows. God knows where our heart is. And so I told the person, absolutely, you can have it. Absolutely, take it. Amen? That's what we're here for. Is to try to help someone else less fortunate than us. Right? And if we can do that, we've done a good thing. Because, see, we can't control circumstances. Circumstances are what create happiness. And we can't control them. You can't get up and decide if you're going to have a bad day or a good day. Now, a lot of people say you can but, but bad things may happen to you all day. Now, how you react to those, that's, that's your choice, my choice. But they can happen. You get up, you have a flat tire. And it's snowing outside and you have a flat tire. And you're in the driveway. Wonderful. And you happen to be parked for some reason on the wrong side of the, of the driveway, and so your mate can't get out to go to work because they've been in the garage. 
That's it. Not that that affects our home, but <laughs> better than that, you take off to go to work and your car stops two blocks from your house. There's no reason why it should stop. It just stops. You turn your wiper blades on and one of them flakes off like it's not even there. And it's on the driver's side and you can't see a thing. I think I've, man, I think I've followed some of you guys to work. It got cold all of a sudden last night. You went to turn the heater up a little bit and it quit working. And it's Saturday night and it's 10 o'clock. And we're going to freeze to death. Got you. I've got a young man that will come take care of you. And he won't charge you through the wazoo on the weekend. He charges you the same amount on the weekends as he does during the week. Isn't that awesome? It's a great young man. He'll come anytime. If you're in Jinx, he's real close. God's purpose. They're not, it's not based on circumstances. Ephesians 5. Paul says, so then be very careful how you live. Really not bad advice. He says, don't live like those who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. And the constant challenge, there's a constant challenge for us to overcome these temptations. And especially the temptation to pursue happiness as our number one goal. And I, and, and I put some things in your notes there that create some issues. The first one it creates is a financial problem. It can lead to a financial problem. Hebrews 13.5 Somebody says, I'm on a tight budget. But they walk past the Apple store. <laughs> you ever went in the Apple store? Man, you just start drooling. You ever gone into a car store? Smell the leather? Seats? Get in, you get into the seats, they heat up. They even air condition in the summer. They have a navigation system that will talk back to you. And my wife's little car that she got, she got on this thing called OnStar. And they tell her everything that's wrong with the car. They, they'll come on and they'll say, Hi, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. You're right. Front tire is low. Well, yeah, stuck a nail in it. No, I'm just... But see, sometimes we lose sight of what we're doing. See, the reason we can't give to the Lord monetarily at times is because we've overextended ourselves. You ought to set a path to get out of debt. Completely out of debt. Why do you think the bankers want to give you money? Because they're going to make money. Yep. Credit cards companies. Man, they're, they're evil. They are evil. None of them deserve... 1% of interest. Not one of them deserve it. But they don't take just 1%. I mean, they, you, the, the cheapest one you would get if you were just a normal person would be 23%. You're talking about a tax collector in the, old, in the New Testament. That's credit card companies. See, I'll call them and I'll tell them that. I mean, you ought to hear them on the other end. It's fun. I did. I called one of them and said, you're, you're no better than the tax collectors in the New Testament. Well, sir, I want to... <laughs> Click. Okay. They don't know who I am, right? Another thing it creates is relational problems. If you're just pursuing happiness in marriage, 
If you if you're waiting for yourself to feel happy, to be happy in the marriage, <laughs> there's days when you're not happy in that marriage. There's days when each of you are at each other. There's days when you don't speak so kindly and graciously and friendly and <laughs> Amen. Also can lead to health problems. I like the commercial where the ladies, you don't go hungry when you shop and she's standing at the checkout line with a bag of chips open and she's eating the chips. And the woman's trying to get the chips out of her arm to scan them. And she looks at her like, why are you taking this? And she scans them, puts them back on the pile, and the woman grabs them and starts to eat them again while she's still chomping down on the grease running out of her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> then it leads can lead to spiritual problems too. I mean, we talked about anger a few weeks ago, and the problem with anger is it does feel good for the moment because you're able to release that emotion in you. But there's damage to pay down down the line. Amen. So spiritual problems, relational problems. The big problem with pursuing happiness is my number one goal is that it just simply leads to unhappiness. It's a trap. If happiness is your number one goal, if you think you can make enough money to be happy, you're you're kidding yourself. If you think you can do whatever it is to be happy, you're fooling yourself. Psalm 37 catches it well. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now think about that promise for a minute. Promise says you look for satisfaction in God. You say to yourself, God, I want your purposes. But here's what I'll promise you. If you pursue God's purposes, there will be times of happiness. It's not that you will be unhappy for the rest of your life pursuing God's purposes. But what it also means is that when you're, when you're not happy, if God's purpose is your number one pursuit, you can still find significance and meaning in your life even though things around you aren't making you happy. I know what you're thinking. So what do you mean by God's purposes? Have God's purposes for number one thought process in my life, number one pursuit in my life. I want you to think eternal, not now. Think eternal, not now. You see, when you go through various trials and temptations, as James says in chapter 1, it's preparing you for what's yet to come. It may happen a year from now. And then God's saying to you, hey, I was getting you ready for what's going on now. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? All of Bryant's life, he's always been healthy. He's always taken care of himself. He's always worked out. He's always exercised. He's always done the things that you're supposed to do to take care of the physical body. And now, God's able to use that preparation for where he's at today. You see what I'm saying? It's amazing what God can do if we'll stop and realize who's in control and who's in charge. Because you see, God wants us, God wants us to pursue Him. And in pursuing Him, we will find the happiness that we're looking for. Now, I had you hold on to your connection card. Grab hold of it for just a second. One of the ways that you can truly do this is the second item listed there. 
commit to God's purposes as my number one goal in life. You know, maybe that's something that you really, really want to do. You've never done it before. You decide, you know what? I need to put God more at the forefront of my life. Uh, maybe you walked away from Him for a while. Maybe you've kind of played around with it. Maybe you laid around and thought, you know, I need to, I need to really get more into the Lord. This will be good. That, that's a great one to, to do. And by marking that, it gives me an opportunity to pray for you. Remember, I've told you many, many times I use this during my week to pray for you. And so it, it's a great opportunity for me to pray. Maybe send you a note, encouragement. So it helps me out. It could be on the back of the card as well uh, that you are willing to participate in this Lenten fast between February 25th, which is Wednesday, and Easter Sunday, April 5th. That's five weeks. That's about a five-week span. And what I want you to consider doing is giving up something. That's what it is. That's what Lent means. I'm going to give it up. Now, you really saw this more in the Catholic churches. But I've noticed a lot of Protestant preachers are using this for the, for a, 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 the purpose I like. And that is, it's a great time to set aside a small amount of time to give up something that makes me focus then on the Lord a little more readily. In your bulletin, there's a little a handout. So find that for me, would you? It says, Lent, uh, Season of Renewal. And on one side, it's just things you could give up. So I've given you a list of a number of things that you could give up. Okay? You know, maybe television, or not all of television, but certain shows on television that you, uh, that you would normally watch. You're going to give that up for five weeks. And when that hits you, when it's time for that show to come on, that's the time I want you to flip the page and begin to pray for those things on the other side. That makes sense? Maybe it's certain things that you listen to on the radio, favorite foods. Boy, I had a hard time with that one. <laughs> but see, you need to do something that's really hard for you to do. It wouldn't be hard for me to give up things on television because it's not football season anymore. There's nothing to watch. You're going to force me to watch a basketball game? Really? Up and down, up and down, jump, thump, up and down, jump, jump, up and down. The only time they're any good is when they get in a fight on the, you know, I mean. Baseball, that's coming up. They call it the seventh, seventh inning stretch. Why? Because people are asleep. Got to stand up and stretch. Got to drive home after all the beer you've drank. You're asleep. Eating out. Give it up a night. Soft drinks, get rid of them. They're killing you. Smoking. If you are, stop. Clutter. I, I didn't want that one on the list. Don't go in my office. Clutter. But all of you come in my office and you complain about my office. I've been to your house. I've been to your house. Debt. Some people just... See what I'm saying? So a lot, a lot of things here to consider. Put some other things on there. I don't know what it is that, that you're going to want to give up, but I want to challenge you to at least accept that and, and, and let me know that. Let me know. Put a check mark there. Maybe you don't fill in the blank this week. Maybe you're going to think about it. You're going to pray about it. That's fine, because next week put it in there. But, but at least let me know that you're going to participate. That's what I'm after. 
Would you at least be willing to participate with us uh, in this in this time? Because I think it's really important, especially as we pr- we pray for our church. We need to grow as in, in numbers our church. There's no reason why we can't grow. Any of them, any of them grow. Uh, we're going to do our first direct mail into into the seven four zero three seven zip codes. I'm so excited about the opportunity we have. And uh, in, in my understanding, there's only been two churches that I've ever I've ever seen. I, I live in this zip code that I've ever received from other churches. So I'm excited that we're going to send. And ours is going to be bigger than any of theirs have been. We're, we're getting a really good price on the printing and. I'm just really excited that, that we're willing to step out in faith and do these things. But you see, we've got to bring people in the door to our church. Amen? And this is the way to do it. It's one of the ways we can do it. Uh, we're looking at other ways, but that's one way. Uh, so I just want to challenge you over the next five weeks. Um, tell me, Pastor, I'm going to jump in there. Yeah, I'm going to be a part of this thing. Don't know exactly what I'm going to give up praying about that. But would you, by next Sunday then, be ready to fill in that blank? That would be awesome. Or maybe uh, it comes to you, <clears throat> just shoot me an email. <clears throat> shoot me an email. My email's at the top of the outline there. Just shoot me an email. Let me know. Okay, jump to the next page there. Accept that there will be times when I'm unhappy. Just accept that. Just accept that. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, Here on earth you will have many friends, many, many trials and sorrows. Excuse me. Many trials and sorrows. And how many of you can testify that that's an amen? <laughs> there are a lot of trials and sorrows, aren't there? There really are. I mean, you're sorrowful for friends and, and what they're going through. Uh, for friends that have lost loved ones. You know, it bothers you. It hurts you. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to watch people suffer. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I was watching a, a movie with Kelsey and Braden last night. We were watching Wreck-It Ralph. And you ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? And there's a part in there, Kelsey knows it by heart. She goes, she goes, Grandpa, this is a really sad part. And it really was. And I looked over at her. I said, she goes, I think I'm going to cry. I said, me too. See, those emotions are good. There's nothing wrong with those. But sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we hurt for others. But one thing I want you to remember is that we're not heaven yet. This isn't heaven. We're not there yet. This is just the passing through part. Heaven's yet to come. Looking forward to it. Ready to go. I'm ready to go. Spread my wings and fly. Come on. Some glad morning. When this life is over, I'll fly away. How? <laughs> I wish I could preach like some of those wild-eyed preachers. <laughs> Shaking their jowls, moving. It's amazing. But take heart, folks, because we're not here yet. We haven't got there yet. Trials are temporary. Getting sick, those things, they're all temporary. It doesn't seem like that at the moment, but it does. It does pass. If you've got the flu, or you've got that kindness running out of both sides. Yeah, terrible. But it does pass. King Solomon again, back in Ecclesiastes. So there's a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance. Hey, let's try that. Jump up and let's start dancing. No, somebody, somebody, oh yeah, man, I've been waiting for that. Here we go. Now there, I'm telling you, that music they were playing this morning, I saw all of you. You're sitting there. 
Your, your body's starting to move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's going to get exciting one of these days. I heard a, a fake Haygood preach Friday night over at the men's retreat at Park Plaza. He said, I'm in Compton, California. He said, by choice. <laughs> now, if you know anything about Compton, California, that's a rough place to live. But, he said, I, there are lovely people there that love Jesus. And that's awesome. But fate talked about how sometimes we carry on and try to be somebody we're not. He said, just be who you are. So if you want to dance, you jump up and dance. If you don't want to dance, then don't, don't dance. You dance on the inside. Yeah. But it's hard to dance on the inside without the outside something happening on the outside. It's hard to smile without something happening on the outside. Amen? It is. It's hard to be mad and angry without something on the outside happening. I love that passage. And I want you to take two next steps I've got there in the outline to pursue that. First is to pursue character over comfort. It's right there in the middle of your notes. Pursue character over comfort. Here's something I can tell you about God. God is far more concerned with your character than He is about than He is about your comfort. Character makes a difference. We were told that it didn't, but it does. That's why Washington is in the shape it's in, is that we have no characters there. Trey Gowdy spoke at a church where Corey and Megan are attending now in Houston a couple of weeks ago. He's one of the senders from in Washington, and he said. He said, people say you can't change the climate in Washington. He said, you know why? Because you keep voting us back in. He said, if you'll quit voting us back in, guess what? The climate will change. That's right. Quit putting the skunks back in there. If you think they're skunks, get rid of them. You don't, you don't have a skunk sitting in your living room, do you? No. But here's what else I know. You take all the comforts away from the people in Washington, all of a sudden, that whole place changes. Tell them they can't have their little games and they can't have their little perks and they take them all away. And those that are behind in there's you know, there's, they owe three, $350 million is owed by IRS employees in back taxes that they haven't paid. So, on the 16th of March, or April, 16th of April, See how that works for you. I just love it. Because the government's not going to save you. Jesus is going to save you. Politicians aren't going to help you at all. But Jesus is going to help you in everything. Because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Amen? (laughs) Feels good for the moment to pursue happiness, but it doesn't have any lasting effect. See, Paul told Timothy... In 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of what? Power, love, and self-discipline. He's given us a spirit of power. Power! You stand up when nobody else will. You speak out when nobody else will. You say the truth when everybody's saying the lies. Oh, preacher, you don't know what they'll do to me. Yeah, I do. Because they're doing it to me. You know what? I don't care. Because they are not my king. They didn't crawl on the cross and die for me. Jesus did. Time for I stood for Him. Amen? Franklin Graham is the only major Protestant pastor in the country, in the world, that's speaking out against the evils of Islam. 
The only one. If you don't know what he's saying, look him up and find out what he's saying. Sure reminds me of his dad. <laughs> and he's unashamed. He says to my Muslim friends, he said, your God calls you to kill. He said, my God calls you to love. My God can still save you. My God will forgive you. And my God cares for you. <laughs> he don't want to stand up and call evil what it is that I can hear. Hmm. Lord, help us. Character over comfort. Then secondly, put people before pleasure. Put people before pleasure. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22. Let me tell you, here's number one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It says the first, it's the first and greatest commandment. Equal to it is the second one. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if we operated this way, our whole world would be different. The European financial people extended Greece's, the nation of Greece, the country of Greece, extended their credit another five years because they're about to go into default again. Money won't do it, folks. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will do it. This country will never be the country God intended it to be and has had it in the past until we return to Almighty God. From the White House to the greenhouse. We've got to return to God. Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name, you see, Jesus is waiting for us to get our act together. Are you with me? But I want you to understand, there are some people in our lives that are E-G-R. Extra grace required. <laughs> That's not a great thing. So the next time you have one of those, go EGR, EGR, EGR. <laughs> sometimes they need extra grace. We got a bunch of them in our life. But when you put people first, you have more friends. You're going to feel good. God's going to bless you. You're going. To, God will grow you and make you more like Christ. He'll bless relationships. He'll bless marriages when you put people first. He'll draw you close to Him when you put people first. Put people before pleasure. In marriage, your wife or your husband will treat you better if you put them first. Maybe you're married to a person that's a taker in life. And it's hard to keep giving to them because they love to take it. But if they became a giver as well, then you then you work at how giving each other. Now there's that's that's fun right there now. I need takes us to our last point on the back of your outline. We need to yield our whole life, our entire life, to Jesus Christ. I started today with the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their Creator with uncertain unalienable rights. And it's very scriptural in many ways. It says that those are the pursuit of liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's nothing wrong with being happy in life. There's nothing wrong with supporting a government that creates an atmosphere for us to pursue life and liberty and happiness. But the pursuit of happiness as your number one goal in life is a trap. 
It's a paradox because the more you pursue happiness, the less happy you really will be. The key to living a happy life is to stop pursuing happiness as your number one goal. Stop letting your desire to be happy guide all your decisions. If happiness is your number one goal, your life will always be lacking. Living for happiness won't give you everything you need. It's empty and as Solomon has said, fruitless. Vanity. Vanity striving after wind. So our declaration of of dependence is based on Matthew 6.33. He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Yield to Him. Yield to God. Again, going over the card, those next steps, committing to God's purpose is the number one goal of my life. Participate in the Lenten fast for the next five weeks. Ladies, maybe you're going to attend the ladies' night out. That's a way you're going to be involved that you haven't been before. There's so many ways that God can touch you and use you if you'll let Him. But you've got to pursue God's purposes first. And then watch the blessings flow from there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time this morning. I know there's people in this room that are struggling, that are just battling. Uh, They put off baptism. They know they need to. Got a brochure on the back table about it. We got a lot of brochures on the back table for information for people. From giving to baptism to church membership to serving. God, I don't know where they are in their journey, but you do. But one thing I do know. One thing I do know. Is that the ultimate choices that we make. Will be when we pursue. Our own happiness. It never pays the dividends of when we pursue your purposes. And our memory verse follow this week, not an easy verse to remember, but yet one that's powerful. It says, whatever we do is because Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that He, that we have all died to the old self that we used to live. So God, what that means, what that means is, What Jesus said in John 16, here on earth we will have many problems and trials, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So Jesus, I'm thankful that you've overcome the world's lures and temptations and you can take my moments of unhappiness, my my moments of struggle, and somehow transform those into a sense of peace. But God, if I'm not right with you spiritually, then I can't be right with you Many, many other ways. So God, today, would there be somebody, would there be one person here today who who would say, Jesus, I want you to be more in me. I want you to be more through me. And I want people to see you in me. But that starts with a declaration in our heart that we're going to serve you and let you be our master and Lord.
So God, if there's somebody here today ready to make some new commitments, would you challenge them to do so? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand, we got an invitation song, and uh, following the song, uh, at, at the end of the song,